Thorn River was not a river at all, but a small town hidden behind a ring of snow-capped mountains. The place lent credence to one of August Maynard's favorite sayings. The map ain't the land, for Thorn River could not be found on any map. Following Kipanao's instructions, August rode into Thorn River at high noon. It was out of character for a town made up of mostly prospectors to disappear without their gold, but Chief Kipanao insisted it was here for the taking. The mountains and the rivers for which the town was named should have moistened the air, but every breath the old gunslinger took was bone dry. The dull wind baked his eyes to splinters and bit his throat when he swallowed. He removed the water skin from the inside of his shirt and took a long drink, but no amount of water could stop the sun from kindling his old scar, a faded burgundy band around his neck, evidence of a failed hanging from a lifetime ago. He pushed the memory away. Dark thoughts could prove as fatal as any noose in the shadow of Thorn River. Sky, the horse, ganteered across the flat stone road which divided the town. August kept his hat down and his eyes sharp. He rode past a dry goods store and a telegram office on the left, and a post office and saloon on the right. Not a peep from any of them, but when his back was to the building, he could feel someone staring. A crow cawed from the roof of the saloon, startling him cry echoed off of the surrounding mountain range and transformed the crow's lone cry into a hundred. The scavenger stretched its wings and disappeared into the sky. Sounds like a murder, August thought, chuckling. Appropriate. Something moved within the post office. August drew his pistol quick as lightning, and when he turned, the window was empty. It had already begun, he thought. Get in, get the money, get out before dark. That's what Kipanao said. An old chief may have been a lot of things, but he wasn't a liar. Get in, get the gold, and get out before dark. If there's someone in there, you better come on out, August said, shattering the silence. I won't hurt you, but if you don't, well, I don't give warning shots, and I don't take well to being startled. His words echoed a thousand times off of the looming mountains before silence washed back over the town. Nothing stirred. I am alone, he thought. A fresh gale of wind rolled into town. Somewhere, a rusty chime tittered at him. The town, or whatever walked here, was laughing. Get in, get the gold and get out before dark, August muttered. He put his hand to his forehead and squinted at the sun. He usually told the time by holding his hand sidelong against the horizon and counting fingers until he reached the sun. The mountains, which seemed to strangle Thorn River from every side, made the measuring technique impossible. He would have to use the position of the sun and the length of shadows to make a best guess. He judged the time to be an hour past noon, but that couldn't be right. Surely he'd arrived in Thorn River only minutes ago. August looked back along the road, tracing his steps, noting each building he'd gone by. 
he couldn't help but notice the way the black, empty windows seemed to be watching him, or the howling wind, and how strange it was for mountain air to be so hot and dry. Perhaps the flat road was magnifying the torrid afternoon. All at once, he felt tired. His eyelids crept down, and before he could do anything about it, August was dreaming of family. His wife, his twin daughters, their old home, his bedroom. Dyson cards and the roulette wheel crept into his mind, and why shouldn't they? They consumed his waking thoughts. It was unfair to expect them to stay out of his dreams. August's eyes snapped open. His pulse rocketed. How long had he been sitting here? He gave the horse a light tap with his spurs and she stepped forward. She had been close to sleep as well. Close nothing, he thought. You were out cold. In the bowels of Thorn River, something giggled. The town was slowing him up, making him retrace his steps, making him waste his time, making him move, he shouted at himself and the harsh echo banged in his ears again and again like rolling thunder. It was maddening. Sky whinnied, frightened. Alright, steady, girl. Steady. Keep going. Get in, get the gold, and get out before dark. According to Kippenau, Thorn River had four streets. The longest, the main road he was on now, and three smaller roads which crossed through it. Kippenau said the gold was in a long-forgotten bank, but claims to not remember which of the four streets the bank was on. I swear I do not remember, Kippenau said in halted English. Zorn River is bad place. I saw terrors that I cannot remember. It made me forget things. What made you forget? August asked. Kippenau looked at him, brow furrowed in confusion. The town. At the time, August reckoned a man would say nearly anything when his hands and his ankles were bound and his life was on the line, but going back over Kippenau's last words, he wondered if that was true. It made me forget things. Uh, could a town do that? A haunted one? Ghost or no ghost, something had made the people of Thorn River disappear. Better than 150 townsfolk had called this place home, and they'd all vanished in a single night. Then, as if by some collective agreement that the town should be forgotten, it had disappeared off of every map. Some folks said a wolf pack was responsible for the mass exodus. This version of the story claimed that a pack of wolves stole up while Thorn River slept and then dragged the townsfolk, one by one, into the surrounding spruce forest. Some folks believed that Wendigo had taken them, that some minister or priest had on purpose or accidentally summoned the old Injun monster and had pulled the whole town into the land of nightmares while they slept. Some folks said the devil himself came from the mountains and drew Thorn River into hell. Get in, get the gold, and get out before dark. August found the bank on the third street. You wait here, girl, he told Skye, tying her to a post so she wouldn't wander off. 
Sky neighed in the affirmative. After a deep breath, August ascended the wooden steps to the front entrance of Thorn River Savings and Loans. The old wood porch creaked and whined under his boots. There was a sign hanging from a nail on the front door. August had taught himself to read as a boy, and though the words came, they did not come quickly or easily. Closed. Hours 8am to 5pm. Monday to Friday. Be out before dark. Just a coincidence, he said, knowing it was not. He gripped the brass doorknob. Ice cold. The bank had two front windows, one on either side of the entrance, and blinds were pulled across both of them. The blinds ran horizontal, and there were thin gaps between them where light could trickle through. August happened to look to his left, just as he pushed the door open. Someone was watching him. The instant August noticed, the eyes withdrew into the dark. The blinds trembled slightly from the disturbance. A shrill scream came from within the savings and loans building, right behind the door. It startled August so badly that he lost his balance and fell. His knees twigged angrily when he climbed to his feet. If spiders could scream, they would sound like that, he thought. Get in, get the gold, and get out before dark. He coughed and spat out a glob of bloody saliva. There was one tooth in the swill. It occurred to August that the hot air of Thorn River might be poisonous, and he would not be surprised in the least if this were true. He checked the sky again. It was past three o'clock. Impossible, he breathed. There was a choice to make, and now was the time to make it. He was sure with no proof at all but his own intuition, that if he cut now without taking anything, whatever haunted Thorn River would let him go. It would take his memories of the afternoon the way it had taken Kippenau's, but August was more than happy to get rid of those. What ended up driving him inside of Thorn River Savings and Loans was a simple calculation of risk. If he did not steal the money, the loan sharks would cut off his fingers and would keep taking off parts of him until he paid the money back or died. There was also the possibility that the spirit of Thorn River was just his imagination. He was never one for getting carried away, but Kippenau had spooked him. Yes sir, the old engine had scared him good and proper. That was all. August put his hand on the doorknob, turned it, and noticed the sign hanging there had changed. Come on in. He opened the door, and when he saw what was inside, he nearly wept. Towers of golden dollars stretched from floor to ceiling. The place was so crowded with gold that there was hardly enough room to walk. He stuffed an armful into the burlap sack he'd brought with him, setting off dozens of glittering avalanches. He stuffed the bag, dragged it outside, tied it to Sky's saddle, then grabbed the rest of his bag and went back in for more gold. August half expected the pile of coins to have vanished, and for a green-eyed demon to be waiting in its place, but the gold was just as he'd left it. He hopped over the teller's counter at the back of the room, after spotting papers for common shares and divided slips. Shares for the Clear River Company, Rob Daniel, King George Flower, and a dozen others. August didn't recognize most of the company names, 
but he knew that he could get more than $50 for each share of Rob Daniel, and there were at least 15 of those. Farewell, ghost, he called when he was done. He departed Thorn River as the sun started to dip behind the mountains, dyeing the town a pale pink. You have my thanks, August rode all night. He was worried about being taken by thieves on the road. Eight overstuffed sacks of coins and share slips bulged from Sky's saddle, and it would behove even the most nervous of banditos to investigate such a haul, unmolested by sunup next morning. After showing the gold to Cordelia and his twin daughters, Daisy and Abigail, they held a glorious morning celebration. The party paused briefly when August rode into Carson City to pay his debtors, but continued in earnest upon his return. The following years saw the downward tragedy of the Maynard family take an abrupt turn towards the clouds. August became the second largest shareholder in the Clear River Company, and whisked his family off to a penthouse suite in the Borgening city of New York. Daisy, who had seemed all but destined to wed an abusive 40-year-old cattle farmer by the name of Bew Hicks, attended Harvard and married a lawyer shortly after her graduation. Abigail wrote poetry and was invited to London to dine with the Queen. She stayed in England teaching poetry at a private school, and she wrote her parents often. August retired from the Clear River Company, a multimillionaire, and lived out the last chapter of his life in an old Victorian mansion when he caught the silent cough. He was 85. Miss Maynard and the hired help took care of him as best they could, but his wife wept often when she thought he was asleep. Between fits of painless coughing, he reminded her how strongly he loved her, and that if it was his time, he knew... He would go to the kingdom of God, thankful for the blessings of his life. Then came the end, when it was clear he was on his way out. The attending nurse fetched the Maynard family to August's bedside. It happened not long after supper, while the pale evening faded into blackest night. Cordelia Maynard, who had tried her very best to be strong for her family, sobbed uncontrollably. Daisy and Abigail, knowing their father was not long for the world, had come home to spend one last week with him. They were at his side now, weeping silently so as to not upset their mother more than necessary. All things considered, August had to admit the timing of his passing was perfect. He was surrounded by love. Goodbye, my family, August said, closing his tired, tear-strung eyes. How I love you. Goodbye, Dad. The girls said together. Goodbye, sweetheart. Said Cordelia. Goodbye, August. Said Kippenau. It's nearly dark. August's heart clenched. He opened his eyes. He was standing at the entrance to Thorn River Savings and Loans still open. No, he said, though a younger man's voice he barely recognized. No, it, it can't be. Behind him, a horse whinnied. He spun, and there she was, brown as chocolate. Sky. He remembered, 
his mind whirling. And this is... And I'm... It all came flooding back. Where he was, why he was here, and who he was. Not the retired executive of a company, the name of which he was already starting to forget, but a tired gunslinger in desperate need of gold. Get in, get the gold, and get out before dark, he thought, and it took a second to remember what that phrase meant and why it was so important. Oh God, he said, turning westward. The sun was low, an orange eye hovering over a mountain, ready to plunge itself into the tip. A high, thin laugh floated through the empty streets of Thorn River. He remembered, and as he remembered, he was painfully aware of another life being forgotten. It was slipping away like smoke through his fingers. He opened the door to the bank and stepped into darkness. In another life, or a dream, the office had been well lit and stuffed with prospector's gold. August was standing in the same room as the one half remembered, but there was hardly any light here and not one coin. The windows along the side had been haphazardly boarded, leaving the office in almost total darkness. The only light came from thin lines of the afternoon squeezing between blinds. It was bone-chillingly cold inside, and August's breath fanned out in quick tufts of vapor. His heartbeat thundered into his eardrums. As he stepped into the middle of the office, the front door slammed behind him hard enough to rattle the frame. August spun to his heels, drawing his revolver, but the door was gone. He was staring at a blank wooden wall. The windows were gone too, and with nowhere to peek through, the dying yellow light of the afternoon had vanished with them. He fired the pistol. His ears rang and the smell of gun smoke filled his nostrils. The bullet bored a black circle in the wood, but did not break through to the other side. He was about to fire again when a small voice rose from the darkness. The light, it whispered. Go to the light. What light? He thought, and in reply, a pale green glow crept from over the teller's counter. The source was farther back, in a room beyond sight. Who's there? August called, his smoking gun wavering. Show yourself. The horrible, thin laugh came again, but this time it didn't die out. It went on and on, growing louder, until the gunslinger had to holster his weapon so he could clamp his hands to his ears. Let me out of here, he screamed. I'll go. I'm sorry. I won't take anything. I just want to leave. The laughter became outrageous, whooping and hollering. Go to the light, the girl repeated, somehow audible over the laughter. I'm going, August shouted. All right, I'm going. He leapt over the counter, and the moment his boots touched down to the other side, the laughter stopped. Thorn River was silent, watching. Behind him, the doors and windows had reappeared on the wall. A trickle of light was coming in through the gaps in the window, 
and a small round hole in the entrance. August strode to the closest window and peeled off the board. The pink and red of early evening fluttered in, and he saw the sun hanging in the sky. Half gone behind one of the cliffs, it was at least seven o'clock. Whenever I started wondering where the time had gone, he realized it slipped away even faster than before. He could still get out before dark, but he had to move fast. If he were to jump back over the counter and try to leave now, August knew the laughing creature would come back. The spirit dwelling here was playing games with him, and if he didn't cooperate, it would punish him. He strode quickly into the depths of Thorn River, savings and loans, following the pale light through a cramped hallway, past a stretch of doors and into a back room. Kippenau was waiting for him in a steel room. August was standing inside of an enormous safe. An enormous, empty safe. The green light was coming from his eyes. Chief Kippenau? said Augustine. Gunslinger, the chief moaned. His face was drawn, skeletal, and his skin was several shades paler than it had been in life. The chief tilted his head sideways, revealing a dark hole above his ear where the bullet had entered. Is that what this is about? August asked. You knew I was coming here, so you came to haunt me? It wasn't personal. You know that. The chief shook his head. Then what? Spit it out. August stammered, trying not to sound afraid, but shivering anyway. Kippenau's ghost held out an old tin box. For you. August came forward cautiously. There was a small note attached to the lid. One per customer. Take it. Kippenau groaned, but when August looked up from the note, it was not the chief holding the old box anymore. It was Cordelia, his wife. Cordelia in death. Her fingers were missing, and she was holding the box between two flat palms. Her hair was parchment white, and strips of skin hung off her face in tatters. Her new emerald eyes burned in anger. They'll cut my fingers off, she hissed. Take one. If you don't, they'll cut your fingers off and then mine, and then your daughter's. You just had to play your cards. Play cards and throw dice. You lost the house. Will you bet me next? Whore me off when you can't roll double sixes. You couldn't get much for me, but your daughter's. August snatched the box away before Cordelia could finish. She became silent, but did not disappear. The thing disguised as his wife watched and waited. There were a dozen slots inside. Four had been emptied. One presumably by Kippenau, though August had no idea where the chief had hidden his treasure. But a single golden coin occupied the other eight. August lifted one of the coins delicately from its groove and examined it. It was thick and heavy. And when he pulled the coin higher, he realized it was not gold at all, but a shining gold-tinged diamond. 
the etchings claimed the coin was minted in 1795. On one side was the queen, but she was not etched or carved into the crystal. Instead, the bends within and on the outside of the diamond seemed to trace her features, and when August tilted the coin, her face turned with him. On the other side of the coin was a range of mountains, and two words running along the rim, repeating over and over, Get out. August shoved the coin into his pocket and ran, leaving the decomposing creature behind him. The demon of Thorn River was no longer in the shape of his wife. It was a dead daisy. The decaying face of his daughter smiled up at him before he fled, and was still smiling when he took a last glance over his shoulder. The horse was gone. The sun had nearly disappeared. August ran on foot, breathing hard. He took off across the stone street, back through Thorn River the way he had come. His shadow dragged behind him, willing him to stay and visit just a bit longer. You've never seen nightlife like this, said a voice in his head that did not belong to him. August screamed and kept running. There was a headless girl waving at him from the window of the saloon, and something horrible that looked like a mix between a lobster and a fungus was oozing from the post office door onto the street. August observed these things from the corner of his eyes and kept running. These were destructions, or tests, or real monsters, but as long as he got out before dark, he would be safe. Out before dark, he chanted. The lobster thing screeched behind him, but he ignored it. Out before dark. Each breath was tearing his lungs a little more, and his head was forced down. He was no longer running over flat rock. The street had turned to human bones. Skulls and femurs exploded under his boots, almost tripping him up, but he kept his balance and ran. Sky neighed, and before he could think, he was staring into the window of the telegraph office. The horse was there, but she was not alone. Good horsey. Good horsey. Something enormous had her wrapped up in dripping tentacles. Whatever had her was so large that it barely fit in the building. The walls were jutting out slightly, and dark blood was dripping between the cracks. Sky gave one last holler and disappeared underneath wet ink black skin that left a trail of slime on the window. Something grabbed August's ankle. He yelped, tore himself free, and ran out of Thorn River. The coin danced in his pocket. Behind him, the sun went out. August ran until his legs gave. He fell, and when nothing grabbed him, he opened his eyes. Thorn River watched from every window. If there were monsters or windigos or devils lurking there, they were hiding. The roads were once again flat stone. From where he had fallen into the grass, August could see the Thorn River savings and loans standing in the darkness. There was a lantern flickering inside, and a silhouette with glowing green eyes was standing in the window. The figure was waiting for him to come back. August turned and ran, a high, thin laugh echoing in his ears. <laughs>